How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email, the stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that? All you need to do is text the word SHOW to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text SHOW to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. You can always text DATA, D-A-T-A, to 33777. You can sign up for the daily show notes email. You get a discount uh, through that link that I send you. You can also pre-order my book, You Shall Be As Gods, comes out in July. Uh, you know, I got to say, so I, my buddy Bill Blankshane partnered with me on it. Um, he sat down with me multiple hours a week, and I essentially, like, dictated, and, and he wrote and spiffed up, and, and I would cite stuff, and he'd go find it, add the footnotes, and then add in radio monologues, and, and I appreciate the way we worked it because it really does sound like I talk. I, I, I'm very mindful of the fact that I should be able to put something in writing. If I want to explain something, I, I saw a great quote. Let me see if I can find this. It was from some uh, public speaker. I uh, put it up the other day, and it's just it's such a good quote. Um, about public speaking that you should essentially be able to put your, articulate your ideas in writing. And if you can't articulate your ideas in writing, uh, you're probably not actually the good thinker that you claim to be. Uh, yeah, here it is. The best way to gauge the quality of someone's ideas isn't to listen to them talking, it's to read their writing. Compelling speakers can mask weak logic with strong charisma. Putting key points on a page explodes, exposes flawed reasoning. Compelling writing requires clear thinking. Exactly. From Adam Grant. Uh, absolutely right. That's why if you ever read Ibram Kendi or some of these academic uh, left-wing nuts, they they write word salads. They're designed to confuse you. And if you actually listen to what they're saying, they, they're designed to confuse you as well. Um, and I just, I'm... I'm rereading the stuff that I wrote. I, I got to do the audio version of the book here. And um, I'm just glad with, I'm I'm happy with the way it, it turned out. Now, I, I'm not going to talk about the book right now. I want to talk about, well, the cable channels have come up with a new thing. Let's call it cable. The Super Bowl is coming up on Saturday, on Sunday. And it's going to be a big sporting event. It's going to be on CBS they're going to have Tony Romo and Jim Nance uh, covering it. And I will watch it on my front porch. I'm, I'm figuring out the menu. I'm going to do my steak sliders that everybody likes. But i got to come up with more than just the sliders and maybe get my wife to make a pecan pie for dessert so I don't have to worry about the doing the pie. I'll, I'm going to come up with something, something good. But sports is evolving. In, in how we consume it. 
One of the great things with sports in this country, for the most part, is that people kind of rally around it. It's it's been interesting to watch the evolution and bounce back of the NFL over the last number of years. For all the the I have I've never been a a basketball fan. I just my dad was a basketball coach when I was little. I played basketball a little bit, but I've just I've never cared for basketball. My sisters do. My wife loves basketball. My wife will when we go on our spring break. Typically, it's at the very end of March, at the end of March Madness, and my wife and her dad will pile on the couch and they'll watch nonstop basketball. And I would rather watch the grass grow than watch basketball. I just I don't care for it. I never, never, never have. Uh, despite uh, family ties to the game, it's just I, I, I would rather watch baseball. I'd rather watch soccer. God help me, I'd rather watch soccer. Um, hockey. Philip got me into watching hockey. I sat at my hot tub last night. Thank you, Georgia Spa Company. Till after, well, very late watching. <laughs> very late last night because it was a West Coast game uh, with the Golden Knights, and I didn't even finish the game. It was too late. I like even like like my conscience was saying, "Dude, you got to go to bed." Um, and so I did. So the bad part about rooting for a West Coast hockey team is is so many of the games don't start until after ten p.m. Good game. Um, but it's difficult to watch them. I have a cable package with DirecTV. And I can log in with my DirecTV account and watch different services. But typically, I, I can find the game. Now, I uh, largely have given up on DirecTV and soon to cancel it because now I got YouTube TV because they've now got the NFL package. I had DirecTV for the NFL package. Now YouTube TV has it, and, and I can watch all the football games I want, the NFL games. But also, they tend to get they get ESPN, they get ABC, CBS, NBC, they get the local ones so I can watch the local games. It's harder and harder to find baseball. The regional sport net, networks from Bally and the like that cropped up uh, just ruined the baseball watching experience, and now they're all going bankrupt. So Disney, which owns ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers – have decided to launch a new sports streaming service. The service would package a lot of the major sports stations together. So you would get uh, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, SEC Network, ACC Network, ESPN News, ABC, Fox, FS1, FS2, BTN, TB, TNT, TBS, True TV, and ESPN Plus all together in one package. It would essentially be a separately run company like Hulu was back in the day when it started, and it would just be for sports, and they're seeking to allow others to come on. So uh, let Amazon come on, let Apple come on, let let Paramount come on, because it's still a, a crummy experience right now. So there are football NFL games on Thursday nights that you can't watch unless you have Amazon Prime. There are baseball games that come on Friday night that you can't watch unless you have Apple TV. Apple, of course, bought the uh, Major League Soccer streaming rights. So if you want to watch soccer games, you got to have Apple TV. It's become a horrible experience for people who like to watch sports. And sports in this country is still, by and large, the great unifier in the country. And technology companies have divided us socially. Technology companies have divided us culturally. And technology companies are now dividing us based on sports. It's been awful to see. You will note, however, 
One company that is not named and does not appear to be involved is Comcast. Comcast, of course, owns NBC. NBC owns the Olympic rights and Sunday Night Football. The most watched weekly broadcast TV show is Sunday Night Football. Chris Collinsworth as the as the star analyst and his whole t- the, all y'all Sunday Night Football on on NBC really is one of the best produced shows on television. It really is hands down. And they're not they're not involved thus far. And this is this is a problem overall. And listen, I'm not a big sports ball guy. I, I I like to watch football with friends. I like to go to baseball games. The the experience if you've never been to the southeast to a Braves game, all football games, the Cubs Stadium, Wrigley Field is phenomenal. I love going to Wrigley Field. But hands down, Liberty Media constructing the Braves Stadium at the Battery in Atlanta is one of the best venues for baseball in America because the entire design of the battery in Atlanta is designed for you to go have a good time, enjoy a meal, a cigar, a shoot pool, whatever you want to do, and maybe go take in a baseball game. As long as the Braves are moderately competitive, Liberty Media makes a ton of money off just the real estate and and the restaurant sales and things like that. It was so well done. It's a fun place to go, even when there's not a baseball game. But when a baseball game, it's crowded. The crowds are fun. Uh, you go to the Burn by Rocky Patel, have a cigar, go to the Braves game. Uh, a lot of the local craft beer breweries have partnered up there. It's just it's a fun place to go watch a baseball game. And baseball is the least fun part of the of the experience. I would much rather go sit and watch a baseball game than watch it on TV. Although, now with the pitch clock, uh, baseball games on TV are more fun to watch. And then there's golf. Now, Golf is an acquired TV habit, I realize, because not everybody likes to watch golf. I like to play golf. I've missed some days. that I prioritized family time in the past week, then golf time. I don't resent my family for it, but I probably should. The weather was great until it started raining the other day. I'm a terrible golfer, but I like to play, and I've started watching it. And so we don't have CBS and Paramount involved in this yet, but rumors are they might be coming. And maybe, just maybe, perhaps, we can get all of them back together again. Because right now, you've got if you've got a cable TV subscription, you can get all, most or all of these channels. But if you don't, it you struggle to watch sports in this country. And it is the problem with, it's not really the cable companies, but these tech companies that got so wealthy, they could buy up rights because they wanted to stream them on their apps and it really has actually, I think, ultimately been a terrible thing for our culture. I I love Apple. I got Apple products. I'm looking at my MacBook Pro. I've got my iPhone here. I got my Apple Watch. I got my two Apple monitors here at home. I got my Apple Vision Pro. I got my AirPods somewhere and my iPad somewhere. And my kids have iPads. My wife's got a, a MacBook Pro. I mean, we're we're an Apple household. That's why I had to go use Vision Computers to, to get my son a gaming PC because I used to be able to program Windows. I used to build Windows PCs back in the day, and, and now it's just I've gone so far down the Apple hole, I, I needed to rely on Vision for, for the, the PCs. I like Apple stuff, but a- Apple, is they brought out the iPhone. It just separated the world into blue and green chat bubbles and people who stare at their phone and don't. It, it, it changed the world, and now the Apple Vision Pro putting the headset on. But all of these companies together... The major tech companies, the cable channel companies that became technology companies, 
they have really ruined our ability to have community around sports because it's so broken in the system. And if this effort can bring it back together, that's fine. But I find it hilarious that these cable companies are essentially bringing back cable TV in a streaming service, much like they did with Hulu combining ABC, Fox, and NBC Universal. And the entire viewing experience is worse. Now, there is some hope. I will tell you, I had an amazing experience the other night. So it was the Pro-Am. Uh, Wyndham Clark, gosh, that guy, he's one. He's phenomenally nice, just a, a super nice guy. Um, it, it's good to see good people succeed. Um, but I put on that Apple Vision Pro the other night, and I was blown away. I got to stand on the seventh hole at Pebble Beach and watch the players play. I was there on the green. You could hear the ocean in the background and watch the players play. It was an experience with the PGA app on, on the Apple Vision. I could see the balls coming down. They, they, they had tracers to see the arcs, see where they landed. I got to watch them putt. And it was all right there. I'm like, I Literally, I'm standing in my living room, and everywhere I look, I'm surrounded. Uh, I'm on the green. I'm, I'm looking out of the ocean. I'm looking up to the tee box. It was It was incredible. It was an incredible experience. You see the future there. I watched, rewatched the World Series, the, the first game of the World Series. I stood behind home plate and watched the pitcher pitch and the batter bat and got to see how the balls came in and see it from the, the view of the, um, of the umpire. It was, it was an incredible experience. You can see how these sorts of headsets will change our viewing experience, but then also I was alone. Couldn't share it with my family. They had to have a headset. It was an isolating experience. It was made for a great sporting experience, but it was isolating. And what these tech companies have done with the way they've handled sports and the way they've handled technology is they have exacerbated the isolation that our communities are suffering, that you and I are suffering. We are more and more isolated, chained to devices to get the experience we used to all be able to have communally in front of a TV screen. And that's not healthy for any of us. It's not healthy for us. It's not mentally healthy for us. It's not good for our society. It breaks down the opportunity for the water cooler chats on the things we were watching on TV. It's just all of it a mess. So it's good to see they're trying to undo the mess and put stuff back together. But there is this thing a lot of people have called cable that already fixes the mess. And I just don't know that they're going to be able to actually fix what they've already broken. It would be nice, though, to be able to have one app where I can get all the sport in sporting events. But then that's still... So that still leaves that one terrible problem. Beginning about the end of January, into February, the NFL goes away and there's no sport to watch on Sunday night. They got to like, they need to, I guess, advance that new football league and bring it sooner. I don't know, but the moment the Super Bowl ends on a Sunday night on my front porch, we're like, guys, what do we want to watch? Well, let's just watch old repeats of the Special Olympics. At least that's something. I, I, y'all, I just, I, I find this very, very funny. Um, I, I do, and some of you will get mad at me because I know the sensitivities of people these days. So it turns out that uh, Donald Trump has more than $5 million of Anheuser-Busch stock in his portfolio. So he comes out yesterday and says, uh, yeah, it, it, it's time to stop the boycott of Bud Light. Now, you should know one of the big uh, Anheuser-Busch executives is doing a big fundraiser for him, too. So before this fundraiser, he comes out and says, go back to drinking Bud Light, folks. And then of all people, Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce, comes out and echoes Trump and says, yes, stop boycotting Bud Light. 
And what is hilarious is the number of Trump supporters on social media who say, well, he says it's safe to get back into Bud Light. I'm going to buy a case of beer. Now, I totally believe in forgiveness, and I I don't actively encourage boycotts, but a lot of these people do. What has Anheuser-Busch done? Have they said they were sorry? Have they... Have they acknowledged that they shouldn't have spent that money with that uh, trans activist to rub it in your nose? Have they apologized for their head of marketing, saying they wanted to change the the demographic of people who consume Bud Light because they were kind of embarrassed, but they hadn't done anything? But one of them's holding the fundraiser for Trump, so it's safe to go back to Bud Light now. Um, cheap dates, cheap dates, so many of these people are. They, they care so passionately about something until they can get bought off. I mean, look, I, I again, I believe in forgiveness and believe in moving on, but it is really hysterical to me that the move on would be, well, he's got a bunch of shares of the company, and now one of them is throwing him a fundraiser, so let's all go drink Bud Light and have a whole lot of people who, back when this happened, were on social media saying, I'll never drink Bud Light again. I'm not drinking the, this this transmission fluid, blah, 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 blah. So, I went and got me a Bud Light last night because Trump said so. This is not the sign of a political movement. It's the sign of a religious movement. Now, I got to move on. Y'all can call and hate me, but you're not getting on the air. <laughs> Ten regional banks have had their credit down. Have y'all heard about the regional banking crisis that's coming? Uh, the, the New York Community Bank now and others, uh, they made a lot of loans in commercial real estate that are now collapsing, and a lot of regional bank troubles are coming in this country, it seems. Swiss America wants to educate you and help you protect your hard-earned assets now. You can read their report, The Secret War on Cash. You can get a free copy by calling or texting 800-289-2646 and mentioning my name. Full name, Eric Erickson. You call or text my name, Eric Erickson, 800-289-2646. The all-out war on cash includes digital forms of currency. It is spreading daily. Janet Yellen was blasting crypto yesterday in Congress. You can call 800-289-2646, or you can go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. SwissAmerica.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Real easy to do that, or just text my name, Eric Erickson, to 800-289-2646, 800-289-2646. Message and data rates may apply. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, You'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. By now, you undoubtedly know about the, well, to put it politely, poop show on the floor of the House of Representatives last night. The Democrats pulled the tree. 
Uh, look, I got to hand it to the Democrats. It was kind of funny. So Republicans did a head count in the House of Representatives last night. They thought they had the votes to impeach Secretary Mayorkas and pass an Israel funding bill. Steve Scalise is out. Uh, they've got, I think, uh, how, what's his name uh, from Kentucky? Rogers, is it? Uh, he's been out recovering from a car wreck. Their numbers are low. They needed one more Republican on the floor of the House last night, um, except they did a head count. And they had all the Democrats. They, they, uh, the, and, and so they knew they had the numbers. Except uh, one of the Democrats, Al Greed, uh, had been in the hospital, came in in his hospital gown. They didn't expect, the House Republicans didn't expect it. The Democrats wanted to embarrass him. The Democrats knew Steve Scalise would be out uh, recovering from a cancer treatment, and one other Republican is out from a car wreck. So they waited, trotted in this other Democrat, and they cost the GOP the votes. And yes, I'm laughing about it because it actually it was a very funny thing that they did. Republicans were furious about it. They got egg on their face. One of the rules of the House is you never hold a vote unless you know you're going to win it. And they were convinced they were going to win it until Al Green shows up in a hospital gown. And they're like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. We got, we got the one we didn't know was coming. He came from the hospital in a hospital gown, literally in his hospital gown, to vote. That was commitment. Um, and so they lost the votes last night on impeachment. They lost the vote on Israel funding, and they may not be able to redo it. Now, they say they're going to have a Scalise back, and they'll be able to get the votes to impeach Mayorkas next week. One Republican switched his vote from yes to no, and that's strategic. So under parliamentary procedure, you have to be in the majority in order to reconsider something. So by this one Republican switching his vote from yes, impeach Mayorkas to no, don't impeach him, the no's won, so this guy can bring it up as a motion to reconsider. And they can bring it back to the floor, the Republicans can. Because if it, the Democrats had won the vote, um, the Democrats aren't going to bring it back up, and it would drag out trying to get another vote this year. So they'll be able to bring it up next week, and they will hope, they will hope that they have the numbers to do it. This is the ongoing fallout of Matt Gates tossing Kevin McCarthy. You toss Kevin McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy goes away. That lowers the numbers. You get rid of George Santos, it lowers the numbers. Uh, one of them, Congressman Johnson from Ohio, uh, he resigned to go be the president of Youngstown College. Then you've got one out with a car wreck, Steve Scalise out with cancer treatment. You've got a one-seat majority in the House of Representatives. You would have two seats right now if McCarthy were still speaker, and probably he would have never brought up the Santos thing, so you would have three. You'd have more wiggle room for the stuff. But the problem here is that when McCarthy was ousted by Matt Gates and the gang, we now know it was because Matt Gates is upset McCarthy wouldn't stop the ethics investigation into Gates. And by the way, um, current Speaker Johnson is not stopping it either. The House Ethics Committee just yesterday um uh, summoned one of Matt Gates's old girlfriends to talk to him. But th so this is my problem with the populist right. And it will rub some friends of mine the wrong way who will view themselves in it and, and, and to some degree maybe 
maybe they should take note of this. It, it, it doesn't seem like there's a master strategy. That populism is all about the here and now. If it feels good, do it. Uh, and a bunch of populist politicians keep doing things that feel good to them, and then they don't understand how they keep getting pregnant. There's no comprehensive strategy. That You know, tactics and strategy are not the same thing. You use tactics to carry out a strategy. But the strategy is your overall plan for getting some longer-term goal accomplished. The tactics are just the ebb and flow, the back and forth. And, and the populist right is great at using a series of tactics, but they don't ever have a real strategy to get anything done. It's for the short term, the here and now, when they decided to oust Kevin McCarthy, not a single one of them, I guarantee you, thought about the consequences. The consequences were that moderate House Republicans knew with a five-seat majority there had to be unity of purpose, and the moderates in the House of Representatives and the conservatives in the House of Representatives were fairly willing to work together to accomplish some things, including an 8% cut to the size of government. And then Matt Gates and his, or no, 5% cut. Uh, it was eight people who ousted Kevin McCarthy. They ousted McCarthy. They didn't think about the next day, the next week, the next month, or the next year. They thought about the here and now, the instant gratification of tossing Kevin McCarthy. They tossed Kevin McCarthy. The Democrats also weren't thinking about the long-term issues. They allowed it to happen. Now the Democrats can't get Ukraine and Israel funded, which they actually want. There will be no border deal, which conservatives don't want. But the moderates and liberals together can start signing discharge petitions. Under the rules of the House, if you can get eight, 218 votes to do something, you can get it to the floor of the House. And the moderates no longer trust any of the conservatives or the populists. And I'm being very distinctual here between the conservatives and the populists because the conservatives like Chip Roy wants to roll back the size and scope of government, uh, wants to secure the border, wants to get our fiscal house in order, and then there are the populists who they really don't have a master plan. It's just whatever Trump wants. They don't care about growing government. They, they don't care about not growing government. They just essentially hate anyone they view as the establishment. But they don't have a master plan. They don't have a strategy. And it all came unraveled on the floor of the House last night with Mayorkas and the Israel funding uh, that may pass again if Steve Scalise is there next week. But I just feel real awful for the Speaker of the House. If you want a sense of how unserious the populists are having tossed Kevin McCarthy, they're ready to toss Speaker Johnson. And they're ready to toss Speaker Johnson because unlike McCarthy, Speaker Johnson is a well-known conservative pro-lifer. But his obligations as Speaker of the House are different from his obligations and ideas as a conservative. He actually has to get things done to keep government funded. He has constitutional obligations. He's second in line to the presidency. He's got obligations to the whole House, not just the Republicans in the House. And some Republicans are penalizing Johnson in ways they never would penalize McCarthy because McCarthy had no principles. He was absolutely rudderless. His own staff said his superpower was he believed in nothing. Johnson actually is a Christian conservative. He has things he believes in, but he can't aggressively pursue those things without the votes to be able to get them done, and so he's getting penalized. It's just very funny to watch the, progress or the, the populists 
uh, consume their own and grind the house down to doing nothing, and it's going to provoke a backlash. And that backlash is going to come in the form of the moderates and the liberals joining forces against the populists and the progressives. And they will, they've got the numbers to sign discharge positions to get pieces of legislation to the floor to get things done. And they don't care now about case. They don't have any institutional trust left in him. They don't trust the conservatives to not obstruct. They don't, they, they, they essentially believe that the conservatives and the populists together just want to shut it all down. And they, the moderates, don't. And unfortunately for conservatives, the moderates and the liberals together have the majority of the House. So by Gates tossing McCarthy, he opens the door to greater bipartisanship between moderates and liberals. Can't he bar the door? It's not going to end well for any of us. And the liberals and the moderates don't care. But there's not a whole lot left that can be done. We are in election year. The border deal is dead. It's not going anywhere. It's ridiculous that they even attempted to solve it in a presidential election season. And yet here we are. Uh, James Langford, uh, a reporter asked him last night, how did it feel to be thrown under the bus? And he replied, and then backed over. Yep. Langford says he had a popular commentator that told him flat out, if you try to move a bill that solves the border crisis during the presidential year, I will do everything I can to destroy you because I do not want you to solve this during the presidential election. He might be talking about Trump. I don't know. Uh, but it's true, though. Conservatives want to run on the issue. But honestly, the legislation itself has flaws. But it's not going to pass that. The House of Representatives can't pass Israel funding. They can't impeach me. The House of Representatives cannot get anything done right now. Uh, I would call it a clown show, but that would be disrespectful to clowns, and I don't blame the Speaker of the House. That unfortunate man rose to the occasion to be put in that job because no one else could get the votes, and everybody is attacking the guy. Uh, they're they're attacking him for not living up to his potential. They're attacking him for not being conservative enough. They're attacking him for being uh, over his head. They're attacking him for every single thing, and the reality is he's got a one-seat majority in the House of Representatives. There is not a lot that Speaker Johnson can do, not a lot at all but he's made the best of it. And it's great to finally have a pro-life Speaker of the House who has some principles and integrity, who knows where lines can and, and shouldn't be drawn. And we should be wishing this guy well instead of trying to defeat him. He's not the bad guy. He's not the enemy. He's a conservative Trump supporter from Louisiana who you would think that all those guys would want a guy like that there, but um, everyone is trying to undermine him at every opportunity now. He's in a very unfortunate position. So much so that he got two black eyes yesterday with the Mayorkas vote and the Israel vote, and it was stunning that he stood there at the Speaker's chair and announced that lost vote that he put up. Normally, the Speaker of the House does not announce when his vote loses. They send somebody else up there to do it, but he did it. And a lot of people last night were like, well, this is disarray. You never allow the Speaker to do it. And, and the Speaker's like, no, my vote, I did it. I'm going to do it. Good for him. He owned the situation. The problem is that the guys who ousted McCarthy, like Matt Gates and the other, Nancy Mace and them, they never want to own up to the fact that we are now reaping what they sowed with the ouster of, of uh, McCarthy. You can't get the Secretary of Homeland Security impeached when he should be impeached because they dwindled the numbers and burned everybody's goodwill and nobody wants to work with anymore. That is the consequence of what's happened in Washington, D.C. It is the consequence of Matt Gates deciding he needed to oust Speaker McCarthy at that time, 
and neither he nor Mace nor any of you who supported it are willing to acknowledge that fact, but it's the God's honest truth. You want to know why the House of Representatives is in disarray? Because Matt Gates decided to deploy a bunch of tactics without ever contemplating a strategy or a long-term situation by ousting Kevin McCarthy. And now one of the things he wanted, ousting the Secretary of Homeland Security, they don't have the votes to do it. All because Matt Gates wanted instant gratification. Had they listened to, like, smart conservatives who could plot this stuff out and see, like, two steps ahead, uh, like Americans for Prosperity, for example, they would have never done that sort of nonsense. Americans for Prosperity is conservative strategy on the ground. They do tank, not a think tank. They go into the states doing the business of the conservative movement. And right now they are campaigning against Biden's uh, LNG export ban. And it is an export ban. They're calling it a temporary pause. It's not. Remember, they said inflation was transitory too. Uh, this is a, it's a ban. It's going to wreck the economy. It's going to, it's going to enrich China, Qatar, Russia, and other groups. It's a horrible thing. And Americans for Prosperity is raising the alarm on it and fighting back against it around the country, educating people how they can take action. They want you to take action. They want you to be a part of their army of activists. You go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. You sign up today. There are over 4 million people who work with Americans for Prosperity around the country. Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. You learn how to make persuasive cases to your neighbors, to your local government, to your state government. You get the best facts, the best figures, the best briefing so that you're the smartest guy in the room when it comes time to make a principled argument for limited government and the free market. Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Go sign up with them today. Be a part of a great conservative operation. Greetings. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425, except it's too late. We've closed the phones. We've closed the phones because we're at the end of the program today. So there's a big, big story that we can't overlook here. You want to know the ultimate good news for Donald Trump in the 2024 election? It hasn't gotten a lot of attention, but the New York Times has highlighted it. Donald Trump may be trailing Joe Biden with cash on hand but he's got more small-dollar donors than Joe Biden. Joe Biden, at the end of 2023, had 564,000 small-dollar donors. Donald Trump has 668,000. That matters because donors are voters. And Donald Trump has more of them in the small-dollar category than Joe Biden does. People willing to, these are middle-class Lower-income voters who are willing to write checks to candidates, and Donald Trump has more of them. And historically, the person with the most of them wins the election because it's a good extrapolation for where the voters are going and who they're going to vote for. This can't be underappreciated. You've got to really understand this is a very, very big deal that Donald Trump has way more people than Joe Biden willing to give him $200 or less. Those are small-dollar donors. That means they're lower income, they're middle class, uh, some of them upper middle class. They're not the wealthy donors. Joe Biden has a lot of wealthy people willing to write him big fat checks. It, it's it's very interesting, too, um, in the states. So Donald Trump leads Joe Biden in small dollar donors in Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Iowa, Michigan, Ohio, Missouri, Kentucky, Indiana, Georgia, Kansas, Florida, 
Nebraska, Utah, Arizona, Montana, Alaska, West Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, Texas, South Carolina, Arkansas, South Dakota, North Dakota, Idaho, Oklahoma, Alabama, Louisiana, Wyoming, Mississippi. That's pretty remarkable. By the way, in the District of Columbia, uh, Joe Biden is beating Donald Trump basically 4,000 to 1. But in every single swing state in the country, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Michigan, Ohio, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, in every single swing state, Donald Trump has more small-dollar donors than Joe Biden. And of the swing states, Nevada, it's 10,000 donors to Trump to 5,000 for Joe Biden, which is remarkable. In Pennsylvania, it's 23,000 to 20,000 Trump-Biden. Go to Nevada, it's 10,000 to 5,000. That's a huge differential, 5,000 donors more. It's a really big deal. And it's one that's not getting a lot of coverage. It's one that should be getting maximum coverage because it's just another indicator that for everybody, including the the, the anti-Trump Republicans um, who just they don't like him, they're they're still upset over uh, DeSantis and or or their Haley people, or whatever. Say there's just no way he can win. There's no way he can win. There's no way he can win. He may still lose, and I still think Biden is the odds-on favorite. But don't tell me he's it's absolutely sure he's going to lose because Donald Trump overperforms his polling historically. He's ahead in nine of the last twelve polls taken. In, in the 10th one, he's tied. There are only two polls out there of the last 12 taken that have Joe Biden ahead. And in small-dollar donors, Donald Trump is winning, and he's not just winning in the small-dollar donors. In every swing state in America, he has more small-dollar donors than Joe Biden, and small-dollar donors are voters who go vote, who are enthused, and so he's got more than Joe Biden in the swing states. That sort of data matters. You cannot underestimate that level of data. And the dogmatic assertion that Trump can't win by anybody anywhere is at all, just complete nonsense when you look at the data. Take your emotions out of it and look at the data. And the data suggests Donald Trump is positioned to win in November, whether you like it or not. Will he? I don't know. Maybe not. But on the warning signs for candidate uh, ability to win, he's got all the right markers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.